Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening, people? Welcome to another week and another edition of Courtside Fracker, uh, midweek episode to go over all things Western Conference. Season is tipping off on the 22nd of December. Um, and so we're going to bring you a big Western Conference preview tonight, this evening, and then we're going to preview the East on uh, Sunday, just in case any big trades happen with a certain man with a beard and uh, an East Coast team. Who knows? Maybe they'll get that over the line. Um, this week, I will be with Ognian. What's going on? Denver's finest. All good, mate. Nice to be here again, man. Lovely stuff. Shaq, Shaq you're more regular than Tuffler, man, now. Part of the furniture now, man. Part of the furniture. Yeah, it is. Uh, the war on ties. Part of the furniture. And then um, New Orleans finest, Mr. JB. What's going on? How you doing, mate? Mr. Burner. Mr. Burner. Quiet. What's Quiet, going on? Let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. It's already said too much. Um, look, we, we want to breeze through the Western Conference. And I think one place I do want to start with that is on the courtside countdown on the Twitter. So I just want to apologise to the Curry Hive, first and foremost, for putting him seventh. When really it was a joint fifth. It was it was a harsh seventh. It was It was very, very thin between... Steph at seven, Yanis at uh, six, as revealed today, and tomorrow's number five. And I feel partly responsible because I put him quite low because of his, uh, his year as well. Well, I said we're getting scoring titles. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I know. Like, where would you put him? Curry. Yeah. He's going to be a top 10 player until the day he retires. He's still a top five player. Boy, seven on the communal votes. So, But if he's, if he's just off five... He's had a how year did, off. How, was, how did you sign off? <laughs> I, to be fair, I did. I wasn't the one doing the the counting and the, the bean counting. That would have been sad. If I'd seen certain things, I might have um, just fudged the the votes a little bit. But uh, I think yeah, it's just he's had a year off. People like Luca and 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 Yanis just got votes in his stead. Uh, Mariah was the one who really messed it up by just expelling everyone who was injured last year as if they didn't still exist. That's where Curry lost most of his real clout. Okay, he's top five, right? He's top five. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to apologise to the Curry Hive because they got very, very upset about that one. And uh, it's not it's not a real seven. It's really a 5.5, you know? But anyway, listen, it's a good yeah, place. Listen, to... Even that is too low, man. 5.5. I agree. I mean, you had, Oggy, Oggy was the only guy to have him second, um, to be Ooh, fair. Second? Ognia went all in. Oh, on, uh, 
<laughs> Why not? Why not? All right, cool. There, at least three better players than them in the NBA. Bro. Uh, J- you see, Jeff was all on board until he heard that, and then uh, you've lost him a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that that apology is out of the way, we can get our way through the conference. And I think, you know, the best place, uh, a lot of people start at the top of these things. I'm going to flip that on its head, and I, I just want to get the bottom feeders out of the way. Um, they are worth covering in their own little way, but put simply, who needs to just tank? The Western Conference is competitive as ever, and there's certain teams that just do not have a hope this year. But what they do have is a potentially really good draft class coming up next year. People like Cade Cunningham highlighting it. All the G League Ignite little experiment going on um, for, for some real big prospects skipping out on college and, and getting some more tailored coaching um, and exposure. So who needs to just make the most of that and just tank it up straight away? Well, let me. we've been saying it for years, but probably the Kings again, man. And I know this is gonna this is gonna piss you off, Yas, because you were hoping for that pick of either last season or a few seasons ago. Yeah, this but is the again, one good year the Kings had. So it's but so. now I, I don't see them doing absolutely anything this year. That's really good though. Who? Halliburton. This is, but but this is almost the thing, and I'm glad you mentioned the Kings because I was watching them in their Golden State game earlier today. Yeah. Um, and look, they do some nice stuff. Halliburton looks good. Uh, this year's, this year's uh, I think he was the 12th pick this year. Well, um, which is crazy. There's, there's not, I don't think there's six better players in this draft. Okay, no, he's he fantastic. The only thing that he seemed to have against him was there was reservations about a jumper, but yeah. um, he basically came out and said, no, nah, it was just upper body strength is why I did that. And it's, it's correctable. He, apparently a character guy, he's outstanding. Um, he's what, six, 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 seven as a guard. Distribution and defense is really good. But it's not just Halliburton. They've got, De'Aaron Fox has just signed his max, and he's he was a fifth pick from three years ago, four years underrated ago. Underrated player as well, underrated. Very underrated player oh. from that from that Tatum class, and then you've got Bagley. Jury's out, but again, a second pick. So this is the thing we're saying: the Kings need to tank. But you look up and down their roster; they've got, in terms of ability, three top ten picks from the last year. Okay, Buddy Hield, he's not a natural defender, but he can shoot lights out at times. They've got. Pieces. I think they need a better coach. That's where it might be. Like I was, I was Luke's biggest fan at one point, and I still don't know if I was completely okay with the way he was pushed out from the Lakers. But I understand why. Um, but what does he still, not fulfill as a coach that they need? Yeah, they, they, got they pieces. But at the same time, I think oh, he's right to point them out. Like, I just don't see what they're gonna do. Like, even I'm not his biggest fan, but even if they got in like someone like a, a Thibodeau, for instance, just a coach with a bigger standing in the NBA than they've had for a while. Even when they had George Carl, it was like he was on the slide. People weren't really respecting him. Obviously, he had the fallout with Cousins and what have you towards the end. So they want someone in that I think, I know they have Michael Malone as well, but just someone that has a bit of stature in the NBA um, can maybe then, because of that, have certain players come in as free agents. They've not had one, a big free agent in a long time, it feels like. I, I don't think anyone really looks at this Kings as a, a, a destination. And that's part of the, the problem, especially would for you, big Would you just accept market. that and just just not even look to free As agents. a big market, it's a shame uh, where they're not looked at at all. Um, you know, I think almost similar to maybe Portland when they were flailing for a bit and they got themselves Dame after Brandon Roy and you know Greg Oden and what have you didn't you know, really work out. Like they got themselves Damien and it's kept them afloat as like a, an attractive 
destination forever, however long it's been. They might need someone like that themselves. You know, okay. Darren Fox maybe just might need to take that one further step up to make it so that, you know, maybe like a Chris Paul in 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 free agency says, oh, I want to go and play with him the same way Chris Paul wants to go and play with Devin Booker right now. Mm. So I'm coming from. That's I what it, it might. What's that shit? I think Fizdale would be a good coach for them. That'd be a good one. Yeah. Even though I'm not too sure about Fizz anymore after the Knicks, I I, I feel like he, he he let himself down there. Um, mm-hmm. even the way he got bundled out at, at Memphis with with Gasol and how he fell out with them boys there. Like I'm not too sure about him and and and, and Sacramento, but someone someone of that kind of stature, I think, would definitely be There's someone almost with that clout to put them on the map a little bit, even. Luke Walton, he just seems a bit... Uh, bland. Bland. Character-wise, he doesn't really seem to come up. And when you've got a group of young players, I think they're almost easier to mould when you have that personality factor. I, I don't know. But even, like, it's just, this is where the West is tough in that if you're not in, in contention, what do you do? Because straight away, I look at the Kings and I look at the Timberwolves almost as a similar situation where, again, they've got Cat, one of the most 30 best talented players in the NBA. He's got his guard that he wants in D'Angelo Russell. They've got Rubio in to just take the load off of Russell, um, which I thought was a savvy move. Um, and they now have got a number one pick as well in Anthony Edwards. Jury's out there. But again, I look at them and almost like the Kings, I, I see pieces, but I just don't see how it's going to be coherent enough to do anything. So how disheartening is that where I don't think they're going to crack the playoffs they might get a play-in game but I don't think they'll get through those so what do you do in a, in a franchise like that in the West at the moment? So a crazy thing quickly I'll, I'll try and be quick on this one but a crazy thing so far as a coaching um, appointment might be but a good crazy thing would be Mark Jackson like just someone like that someone to come and set a culture for them and then sort of bridge the gap between maybe these funny years where they got talented pieces, but maybe don't really have enough heart or um, savvy, whatever it might be. Similar to how Jackson took Golden State as far as he could take them, probably wasn't going to take them to the next step. They brought in Steve Kerr. A lot of people were like, oh, it was the wrong decision. But I think looking back, back especially, um, it was the right one. But he brought Curry on along. Um, he did Draymond as well. You know, a few players from that period do speak of him highly regardless of whatever happened. You know, just someone that came and set a culture. So in terms uh, of City, do you think it's a good time for that as well? Because I've noticed something recent. Like, Curry's not far off 33. Harden, they're talking about, oh, he wants to win because he's turning 32. Obviously, LeBron in his cryo chamber is going to play until he's 46. But the, the kind of dominant West characters, Chris Paul, Dame now 30. You, you think they'll slow down in two, three years, generally. Like, again, like you look at the Timberwolves and then San Antonio as well, who they have probably their last year of Aldridge and, and DeRozan, who I think, is, I really like DeRozan, what he's trying to do with the young lot. But again, all these teams, do you think they just need to just tank for these two years but in or, or and get higher draft picks? Or would you try, like you've said, install something really uh, credible and gritty and and based off fundamentals and winning mentalities and maybe not get the picks, but be primed to take over when these, these bigger franchises drop off a little bit? 
I mean, it goes down to like what kind of player and personnel you have as well. I think so. For example, like two years ago, Devin Booker came out and said, "If the Suns aren't in the playoffs, like I'm, I'm gonna look to want to be in the playoffs eventually." Like he's got a winning mentality and he he's young and he wants to like thrive, etc. If I'm Spurs and I've got like Demar Derozan, he's been playoffs enough times, like in a sense where the development barrier for your team is kind of finished in terms of young talent. Tank. Tank and get it. Whereas, like for me, like the Kings have somewhat of a decent enough score to at least be contenders for the playing games, yeah. Or at least like try hard for it. Whereas someone like Spurs, ah, uh, the Knicks. Oh, Spurs, Spurs is a weird one. You got Derek White. You got Dejounte Murray. You have got uh, Evan Vassell. I like from the rookie class this year. They've, this year is the first time they've had a lottery pick since Tim Duncan. Yeah, I know. So it's like. I don't see them as tanking, but I do just think they're in that middle ground like the Timberwolves, like you said, like where I don't really see it. So it's it's a bit different the, the the Spurs, if only because they don't have a young star. Like DeMar's 30, he's 89 born, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll be 31. And he's done, he's in his last year now after taking up the It's different with the even the Wolves, you mentioned them. They've got towns. Regardless yeah. of what happens, got a budding superstar there. Um we spoke on the, the Kings, for instance. They've got Fox, a budding superstar there. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm bad. Good. Derek White, I like. Um, Vassell's good as well. They've got pieces of the, the Spurs, but no one that you would say is like a budding superstar. How, how, long, how, long, how long's Pop there for as well? Like, because guy's been there a while now. Man. I had a funny yeah. feeling last year would have been his last. but Yeah, I, I think this year's going to be his last one. Mm. I, I thought last year was going to be. But I, I, I read somewhere mid-season that it was probably going to be this one. So I think this year probably would be. But then um, it's a weird year to leave it off, isn't it? Because like you said, there's not really a thing there that they're leaving. Like, because there's not a bona fide start unless they were to get one next year or something to really kickstart a rebuild. It's just it's just a funny one. Oh, and if you're, if you're just as a neutral looking at these, do you prefer... Obviously, it's up to the teams in general, isn't it? But... Do you think tanking is the best thing to do? Or do you think like a Miami um, where Shaq will have seen, they kind of refuse to tank. Pat Riley don't allow that. They make the most of what they do get. They go mid first round, they get bam, they get, or hero was lottery, but they look around for a Duncan Robinson and a Kendrick Nunn who kind of falls through the cracks for different reasons and everything like that. Do you think every team should do that for the good of the league or take advantage of the system and get your number because not every team has Miami as their location. Yeah. And that, that's one thing I always say when it comes to Pat. Um, as great as he is, everyone should always remember that the three franchises that he's made his name at are three of the most, if not the three most attractive franchises in the, in the league. Yeah. Um, the Lakers no, and Nick. No, no tax in Texas, though. So people might want to go there. That's money wise. Yeah. But where you want to live? What you have to remember is that a lot of these players. It doesn't look like a fun night out. I won't lie. Yeah. A lot of. A lot of these players make enough money whereby away from just their, their salaries now that you've seen some of these players taking deals now because they know they're going to get paid from, from endorsements and what have you. Like, it, I don't think you can look at... Who was it? Someone, was it, is it recently they said they haven't, paid, they haven't spent a penny of their... That's an NFL player. NBA okay. wage. When an NFL player? Or was it NFL? Someone hasn't spent a penny of their wage. They just okay. leave off their endorsement money. I think it was Ocho Cinco. Okay. No, Tatum. Tatum. 
Was it? I don't remember who it was, but it's something that. That is exactly what you're talking about. Along those lines, on all the smoke, he says something along the lines where he hasn't spent anything. He still doesn't. He's endorsed. Oh, okay. And it's legend. look after his money or something like that. Yeah, and like, this is what the position that they're in half the time. But it's a yeah. good shout on the on the on the thing. And then look, the 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 new Sam Hinkie Sixers have to be Oklahoma City in terms of they have everyone's pick for the next twenty seven years. And they and and that is what sort of liberated them to take real projects. Like they got Ognjan's new uh, seven foot item of Serbian interest in Pokashevsky, who can just release a three from everywhere and has handles like a wing, but looks like a strong breeze would knock him over. Yeah. Uh, so easy though. But and then and then Theo Maladon as a point guard, like he just blew up for twenty points the other night. Okay, yeah, preseason, but everyone kind of assumed he was going to get stashed back in uh, back in the Euro League. Still got SGA as well. Yeah, and it, and it didn't happen. So and SGA, I feel sad for. He's probably the one who you're just like, oh, he's gonna have a shit year. But yeah. um, okay, see, like if you're if you're a new, we're gonna get into this on another episode. But if you're a new fan getting into NBA this year, do you kind of just look at OKC and be like, you know what, I, I could be onto something there if I jump on right now. No, you're probably gonna be waiting three, four years at least, which is maybe a bit too long to to. <laughs> hold out someone's interest for it depends they've still got pieces like I don't think Baisley's been moved um, SGA of course it's just that Oklahoma is such a a bit of a wasteland if you don't have like remember bro they, they had KD if they didn't have KD I, I don't think Oklahoma would have ever they, they had KD and, and Russ in back to back drops and, and have, KD got drafted by Seattle, and then they were like, right now, move to Oklahoma. You got to go back to Seattle to make it more desirable. Like, no one wants to live in Oklahoma. Exactly. And like, they, they moved it from Seattle of all the franchises to take from the NBA. Like, they they were a huge franchise. So it wasn't like, you know, when the the the, the Vancouver um, Grizzlies got moved to, to Memphis. Like, this was like a no big, big franchise. really noticed, I don't think. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? OKC in back-to-back-to-back drafts got KD, Harden, oh, sorry, KD, Westbrook, Harden, and the bucket, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, that was that was the reason why I think it was okay for Oklahoma to stand going forward, that makes any sense, and, mm. and be interested from 2010, I remember. But surely they're in a position to replicate that as they're in as much a position as anyone with all the picks and everything now to replicate that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, position, but I don't uh, think OKC, I don't just don't forget that OKC were good. They were in the playoffs as an eighth seed in 2010. That was three years after KD got drafted, two years after Russ got drafted, and a year after Harden, and if I'm not mistaken, the Bucker got drafted. So they were almost immediately good. Two years after that, they were in the finals. So unless you think that's going to happen in the next five years for OKC, which is possible, I think if they're going to get a top three or five pick in the next two years, apparently good draft classes, put no, that around yes. they put that around a, a Pokushevsky if he bangs some protein. Um, of course, if they if they get one of the next, because the, the drafts for the next three years are loaded um, with talent. So, of course, yeah, with that in mind, if they, if they strike big even next year and get Cade or whoever it might be, then they're fully in in the running aren't they to to just carry on and again I think it goes back to that timing thing like we said like if people are getting on you look at OKC you look at Sacramento you look at Timbles you look at San Antonio and it's it's not the most competitive thing to hear but 
it's almost the uh, 2022, 2023. I'll see you boys then. Look, going from, yeah. the, from the bottom to the top, um, look, we've spoken about the LA teams quite a lot on the last few weeks just because they're always in the news cycle and there is always things happening and there has been some big free agent things. Um, Shaq, I think you were on the pod with me. Ognin and Jeff, you weren't. Straight up, despite the chemistry issues, I see a more balanced roster. I see Ty Lue as someone who will have learned some mistakes that were made last year. I see Kawhi as realising, you know what, I don't really fancy another year of being humiliated like that. I think the Clippers are Western Conference finalists this year. Agree, disagree? Disagree. Because just from history and like track record, Paul George is still Paul George. And he's going to need the ball, he's going to need his minutes. And he's still Paul George. And playoff history just shows... When Paul George is Paul George, he. I think we. Okay, I think bubble caveat. He he just he didn't seem to take to the bubble at all. He struggled with it massively. Well, a lot of players didn't take to the bubble. The Lakers voted to leave as well. Like it's the same thing, but he just didn't adjust to playing it. Like I think Kawhi will probably do kind of Kawhi's things of what he done in in the Raptors. Like when he would take over games and he would do dirt this year, I believe. But I think as a team. I don't see them making that final push personally, like to get to the conference finals of anything. That's where I get the confidence. Now, I did say on Wednesday is just they got a bit more seniority in Ibaka and Nick Batum. I think if Kennard can stay fit, just in the preseason games, I really like what Kennard's done in terms of bringing the ball up, and and he's been he's a better playmaker than I thought he was because I don't watch Detroit because you know I have a life and stuff. Um, <laughs> and then and then look, that I think they will trade Bevan or or Lou. Will as the season goes on and just really make it all right. This is quite the dead. You know what I mean? So, so where do you see them, Jeff, as in terms of the Clippers this year? Do you see them as just like that last year was really the chance amidst the hype, or actually this year is going to be better for them because they know what's worked and what hasn't? Uh, if I'm going by the the highlights that I caught of their two games against the Lakers, then yeah, <laughs> uninspiring. <laughs> Wait, but people forget they were three one up against the Nuggets, man. Like three one up and about twenty five points or whatever up, and then like I, like I've mentioned before, they just had a massive brain fart. Like they would be Western Conference finalists already if if um, Dot Rivers um, was able to make the adjustments that he needed to make. Like I, I still I still don't understand like what happened, and that's saying as a Denver fan, man. Like they should have they should have finished Denver off. Yeah, I've seen a lot. Doc and the adjustments and what have you. And obviously, I've seen a lot of people then say in repost, rightly, in my opinion, if not correct, completely correctly, but a lot anyway. Uh, I've seen people say, why would he have had to make adjustments to up 25? And that's one thing I'll say. Like, I saw Paul George's um, All the Smoke interview and he alluded to a lack of chemistry. A lot of their leaks have alluded to a lack of chemistry, but when all is said and done, I feel like a lot of the players in that team, and I'm not just talking about Paul George because he's an easy target, but a lot of players in that team have kind of got off with the fact that yeah. they let that series go. Like Paul George said, yeah, okay, cool, we lost game five, wherever it was. Okay, cool, we knew we were going to win game six. Lost that, okay, cool, we'll win game seven. Lost that as well. But it's like, I I've always just been of the opinion that in these instances, in any sport, you put your players out there and you expect them to do what they're supposed to do, especially if they're paid the big bucks to do so as the best players. 
I don't know how many adjustments um, Doc was supposed to make in a series like that, for instance. You're up 3-1, so you're obviously the better team. At any point in which you're up 3-1 in the series, it's hard not to be the better team, aside from maybe the only series I can think of where a team was up 3-1 and wasn't the best team was the Lakers and, the, and Phoenix back in 2006. Generally speaking, the team gets that higher on another team. They're better than them. So... I think, I think you, you show people, you show people like you said, just capitulate before your eyes. Obviously, I think it was an easy one, but Harold, Reggie Jackson, like they, they, and those same players are on the squad this year. So I, I, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm now buying into the fact that a month and a half later or two months, wherever it's been, they've all kind of like worked out what happened, what went wrong. And they've out, they've all now got some some bottle and metal about them. I'm not buying it necessarily. I was gonna say that like literally the changes that people were saying that Doc should have made, like he kept his first starting team out. Yeah. Like, in a sense of taking play responsibility, as we discussed on other podcasts as well, the world knows to sign the likes of Paul George and Kawhi, there was a lot of like intangibles they got, train when you won, blah blah blah, all these things. And you got that because we said we're gonna play you in the playoffs and you're going to deliver. You yeah, didn't either one of them didn't deliver. Kawhi was missing Some open, of the but... leagues are like, oh, Tyloo's going to... It doesn't even make that sense to say that you need to make adjustments in the playoffs when everyone knows that the playoffs are the one place where you don't necessarily make adjustments deep into yeah. a game. Does but that make sense? Of course, you make adjustments game to game if you have to, like we saw it plenty in the bubble. But the idea that you have to make adjustments, like you, you, you play through the regular season to get to a point in the playoffs where you know... This is my starting five and my the, the five that and that's that your backups. So like Ty Lue in twenty eighteen said the same thing with Cliff with um Cleveland, where look, we have thirteen player rotation. By the time we get to playoffs, it's gonna be ten men. Mm. Simple. Eight, eight even. Like, just, so like simple, that's it. That's that's how you play the playoffs. Like the reason the playoffs are so intense because players know this is my calling now. There's no yeah. there's not throw arounds and hey, let's just like get some buckets up and get your shots up to see how you feel. No, we're here to play. But the Clippers oh, weren't there to play. As a, as a Denver fan, you probably saw. As a Denver fan, you probably saw it up close more than anything. And I remember you were commenting on they just looked done. They looked ready yeah, to. They go. were done. So listen. So, so do you think that can be changeable or no? That's just them. Every single game from three-one down, every single game the Clippers were up, and every yeah. single game the Nuggets the Nuggets came back. And I remember watching. Um, there was a timeout. I think in the free when it was three all. And Doc Rivers just looked, he looked spent. All the players looked spent. And they were still up by 10, I think. And I was thinking myself, I was like, well, we're coming back now. We're coming back. Like, Doc Rivers looked like he was doing nothing to try and, you, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too bad about this, but like, put a bit more passion into his team. Like, they just were sitting there like, well, oh, yeah. This is it. One of the this things they got reported but, is that wonder, he was trying to do that too often for the year. By that point, it was just white noise. Um, but, but three times, three times in a row, like surely, surely, Doc. Why do something. players? Why do players in that situation? It's like Paul George said it on all the smoke. He said it like, "Okay, we realize, oh, we lost that game. Okay, cool. We'll win the next one. We'll win the next one after that." Like so, those players knew what it was. In every situation, they've come back on us one game before. They've come back on us again. Like I don't see what urgency needs to be told in the situation. It's almost like. To a regular man, for instance, if you know you don't do X, Y, Z at work today, you're going to lose your job. What will you go and do? X, Y, Z, right? So I don't understand why it has to be a matter of being motivated into doing so. Like, you're paid to raise your game in those situations. Those players there don't actually have a motor. A lot of them, like within the team, there's no motor. There was no motor in terms of like, 
were down or were up, wherever it might be. There was no motor to keep going or, or hammer, wherever it might be. And a lot of that, to me, is because if you look down on that roster, you've got no one that would say... Let's go. <sighs> yeah, I don't really think... They probably didn't run around enough. That's probably what it was. Yeah, yeah no one left the trick. So the, the thing about the Clippers, though, I'm looking at you like you guys' uh, playoff shouts. Shaq, Clippers a second. Jeff, Clippers a second. Ognian Clippers a second. So is it going to be the exact same thing where regular season they the ability just carries them through to do just enough and playoffs they're just going to give it up? Or do you, see it, being, do you see it being worse than that though? Do you see it being worse? Do you see them not able to drop off more then? Because I they'll put it together or enough anyway. Talent carries you through the regular season more than anything else. Like talent and depth. So that's why you always see the deepest teams win games in the regular season. Toronto have been a deep team for the last five years, it feels like, at least. They only became a really good one the year uh, Kawhi drank. Yeah, but they always win 55 or so games every season because they're deep and they're talented. But when it gets to the nitty-gritty, they can't get it done. Um, well, before Kawhi anyway. Kawhi then took himself from Toronto where he had players where that had motors, that had heart about them, know-how and what have you. Took himself to the Clippers to play with players that are known to either have low motors or, you know, don't really stand up when the going gets tough. AKA even, to, even to speak on your point of motors, like what you're saying, like to agree with you, like when you look down at that Clippers, that Toronto Raptors roster, when Kawhi was there, let's say Kawhi is playing a bit bummy, the team's losing it and whatnot. You know that the person on court that's going to call you all out is Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Like, he's shouting, exactly. and then Siakam's going to start balling up. Van Fleet will start balling yeah. up. You can rely on them. Clippers yeah, ain't so going to be screaming and shouting. You exactly. know, Danny Green's been out there before. Ibaka makes as much noise as anyone on a, on a basketball court. You feel me? So, might, that's I mean, to get Ibaka in might be helpful. I don't know. We'll see. Listen, he's I'm from Bayley. He's got to Just quickly. Go on. Is, is, is there something to be said about the fact that they've gone through that experience now? That's what they're I think. And that's what I, no. I think. I think professional, pro professional pride has to play a part eventually where they have gone through that and just think, no, yeah. we're not going to allow it again. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think so, you know. Yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm just at a point where I feel like you're only as good sometimes as your team's motor allows you to be like how much do you guys actually want it like mm. Miami are the perfect example of that like they had no reason they had no right sorry to win even a game in that um finals um they were undermanned they were by far and away less talented than the Lakers their, and second, saying, their second and third best players missed two and four games of a six saying, but hard and intangibles won them two games that they had no right to win and had them tight in two other games you see what I'm coming from? The only blowout in that series was the, the, the first game where Dragic went down when they were still about 10 or so. You know how it goes. First game, first game of the finals, adjustments and what have you. Cool. You see what I'm coming from? Yeah. Don't it, I mean, that. I think I think I get you, and I think I just wanted to put a question out there because I just I just have a feeling they'll do better. But we did talk about the Clippers last last episode as well. Keep thinking they, LA, well, and I think this one will be a bit of a easy one. If, I, if, I, if how many it will be based on I was just going to say, if they do better, it will be based on someone in that squad, which is completely possible, stepping up and just saying, yo, it needs to be Kawhi. Because he doesn't have the same players around him that he had in Toronto and even at the Spurs, if that makes any sense. I think, so I think, I think pacing himself as well, because he did drag them through 
early games of series. And then when it came to the game sevens, it was just like, I can't do this again. I mean, he was getting torched by Jamal Murray. A lot of people like forget from like game two onwards, he was getting torched. And a lot of the times it felt like where Kawhi could have taken like a, a defensive stance uh, from a, like a leader's perspective, it almost felt like, genuinely speaking, he was getting torched by Jamal Murray. And a lot of it was based on like, Kawhi, he almost looked as though he wasn't really playing with any sort of real, like, I'm going to stop this guy. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I know a lot of it sometimes just optics and the gritting of the teeth and like, you know, the... I mean, this but, is, he, he's a difficult guy to know, right? In terms of he's not, he's not as available and everything like that. Maybe it is like you said in terms of that, or he's got his two titles, and for all the fawning that people were saying about oh, his legacy, his three teams, la 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 la, he might have been reading that thinking, nah, I'm living in San Diego, I'm done, I'm cool, I've got what I want now, I'm all right. Who knows? I don't know, I don't know him as a competitor really like that. So it's, 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 I, I agree with you, I think he is, he is who's going to change it. Look, are the Lakers going to repeat? That is, that is. Everyone seems to just assume they are because they've upgraded, I guess, in quality. I'm, 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 uh, a liar if you say otherwise. No, I'm, 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 I know they've got better players, but I feel like they had quite a unique approach to the finals in terms of the seniority that they had and the bubble and everything like that, and people chasing rings at the end of their career and making the absolute most of sacrifice and everything like that. So I just think it's very different now in that they've kind of got people on the up who, yeah, are better players, but maybe aren't going to bring the same experiences um, that for all of his problems on the court, a Danny Green, a Jared Dudley, a Rondo, a Howard, people like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're, they're at least at least as good as they were, probably better than they were. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to win the championship again. So what's their season looking like? If uh, Are you all just, yeah, they're repeating? So you know what the funny thing is, I'll say really quickly. Um, I still feel like, in a very weird way, had they met the Clippers in the final, the, the conference finals, I still would have had it as like a 50-50 um, matchup. And I think a lot of um, stopping the Lakers from repeating comes down to who they're able to face at any point. It's always going to be about matchups. Um, I feel like the best matchup for them in the finals in terms of beating them, would have been Toronto um, because of how the Lakers play in, uh, inside, if that makes any sense. Um, AD being their best, well, not their best player, but it depends on what you believe, but their best outlet in that regard, mm -hmm. like, you know, the the X factor, if you like. Um, so I think there's teams that are well equipped to beat the Lakers. It's about if they meet them. If it's just a matter of, 1 to 14 or whatever it is, 1 to 12, 1 to 13, who's the best team in the league? It's the Lakers. I don't think there's even much of a debate. Like, I like Brooklyn a lot. I like their depth, actually. Um, but I don't think they're particularly close to the Lakers. And we haven't Especially, seen it. The Lakers, we've at least seen 80, 70 percent. What they are, exactly. I think, I think 1 to 13 Nets can beat the Lakers, you know, if you're talking about player for player. Who? Uh, maybe. No, no. So that's what I was going to get Potentially still. I think so. Uh, they, they actually have like a really deep squad, deeper than a lot of people realise. And it's very interchangeable as well. But the one thing about the Lakers that I like more than anything is that they've got a very deep squad. And then where it counts the most in the playoffs, which I've always said, size, 
Size kills in the playoffs. It really mm-hmm. does. It has done for years. It always will do. Um, they got it right. They have probably the best player in the NBA from an interior perspective. Depends on what you believe. But I mean, just in terms of like what AD can do, I don't think anyone else would have matched with LeBron as well as AD has, if that makes any sense. No, it's a perfect blend I of think, I think for the for the Yanis counter argument, he's just not got the uh, the variability that AD has in terms yeah. of being able to mix it up with perimeter play and post moves and uh, drives and he hasn't and the touch and the field he just hasn't his footwork. His footwork is filth. Yeah, so I, I, that really separates AD is as a big man when he's really on it, like he's. He has games where you don't think he's going to miss, whether it's from free, uh, the mid-range, whatever it might be, like his turnaround game, everything. Like, it, it, And that's what someone like Giannis needs to... Is he Giannis? Giannis, whatever you want to call it, or him. That's what someone like he needs to incorporate into his game for teams to actually take him as seriously as other teams take AD in the playoffs, for instance. A team from scheme for AD, knowing that it's hard to stop him anyway, whereas you can stop Giannis. You see what I'm saying? So... Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, a lot's been said about the Lakers. They are the favourite to to repeat. Look, the one I want to get into next, before before we go um, dark horses, because I think there's a lot of interesting chat around those sort of teams that are always in, are the, they're always like the banana skin and the tough matchup and everything like that. Four teams like the Lakers, I think there's a lot of interest about Denver, Portland, Dallas, Utah. We'll get to that in a second. The one that I find interesting, is, especially like with an eye on preseason, is kind of the just the dying dynasties of the West that have defined the last sort of four four years or so. So, and that is obviously Houston Rockets, Golden State Warriors. It's it's not news to anyone kind of what is going wrong with those now. The Houston experiment has gone through its Dwight Howard, no wait, Chris Paul, no wait, Russell Westbrook, no wait. You know what I'm done uh, for James Harden. And Golden State, obviously, no clay. Draymond getting on a little bit. Um, Steph, like we said, he's had another year off and, and he's coming up to his 33-year-old season. Um, he looked good against the Kings, by the way. He I know did look good. And do you know I what? Really in general, good, but this yeah. is the point. In general, I think the Warriors, I liked them a lot in that game. They're very athletic, uh, but they moved the ball quicker than I gave them credit for what those players will be able to do. Um so I'm just looking at everybody's sort of their top eights. And then I, if we work down, uh, Jeff, you have the Rockets potentially as a seventh seed. Um, Warriors, you've not listed. So we'll get into that in a sec in your eight, in your playoff teams. Shaq, you've got Golden State again, seventh seed. You've actually got Houston fifth. So I don't know if that's based on Harden. I'll let you speak on that in a sec. Uh, maybe staying. And then Oggy, you have... Sent it late, so I ain't got on my fucking notes. Let me check. Um, you... I just want to say very quickly, you rushed me on that one, man. You asked me at like 10 a.m. or whatever it was. I was like, bro. Yeah, I don't it's know. not like we're recording this at fucking 7 p.m., is it? Um, yeah, Ogden, now, you, you, again, you again, Ogden, don't have uh, Golden State or Houston in now, your in your eight. I would say, now that you've reminded me, Golden State should definitely have been in mind because I said to everyone they're going to be in it, so... We'll go again when right, you're ready. So, every, so, Oggy, you ain't got them no, first. Golden, I think Golden State scraped through, man. Um, no, no, no. So, well, this is the thing, right? But I want to talk about these two in general, how they're going to approach it. But the thing that is different about this year is these play-in games go back to the 10th seed. So Golden State, could, Steph can have his nights off 
and he can uh, rest it up and everything like that. If they finish 10th, they just have a few playing games to win. And that's, that's a whole new factor. And I think that's really, people don't realise how that's going to impact um, bigger teams getting through in winning their one-off games. Like if it's fucking, oh, the Grizzlies have a great year and they finish 8th, but Golden State finish 10th. Jai ain't going to be getting in the playoffs, I don't think. And then the other thing I think is going to really impact is the buyout market. Like, as a Celtics fan, we've got this trade exception. I'm there thinking, like, who could we, who could we target for that? Teams, if they're fucking 10th at the deadline, aren't going to be want to having buyout or late trades or anything like that. They're going to be want to keep their guys until the play-ins are done. Um, so, so I think that's going to really impact stuff. Houston is the one that interests me a little bit more. Obviously, Harden is either going to stay and be unhappy or eventually force a trade through. They'll get a package back, obviously, but what that package actually looks like, we don't know. John Wall has looked better than I thought he would in these games, as has Boogie, to be fair. Obviously, it's not real regular season pace yet. Um, Until he gets injured again, probably. Until they get injured again, especially Boogie, but... John Wall's looked a lot better than I thought he would, to be fair. After two years off, he's looked in decent nick. And to be fair, like, Christian Wood, uh, you made a great point talking earlier, Jeff, like, he ain't really ever been a starter, but his skill set's amazing. Um, PJ Tucker, he's still fuming about his contact, but he's a pro, he's going to come in and do his thing. Eric Gordon started preseason a lot better than he finished last season. They still have a lot of pieces, but without Harden, I just don't know how they're going to look. Well, how are Houston going to shape up this year? Well, they'll move the ball around a bit more, I reckon. Surely without Harden there. Like, that'll be the big thing. Well, yeah, I mean, Silas coming from Dallas is probably the only place that the ball was in a ha one hand more, but they ain't going to have a Luca. So, yeah, it's a good point. Now, for me, oh, I, I think the problem, again, I, I say is size. Same as I say for Golden State Warriors, like Marquise Chris players. So you've got them fifth. So you think they're going to have a stronger regular season than, than most? They have, they have one of the best players in the league. For now. So how do you think that's going to... Hey, he ain't going nowhere. He's not going to be... If, is, is he going to play the same level? Okay, but this is the thing. For me, ballers are going to ball when you get told to ball more, more time than not. So you're going to put Harden on the court for as long as he's in the team. And Harden's going to... He's going to play Harden. And it's, and it's not winning basketball, but it's going to win them games. He's going to outscore a boatload of people. He's going to he's gonna drop 30, average about 31 maybe again. Then you've got, again, another X Factor in John Wall coming off that as well. John Wall's got a point to prove. He's He was a top five point guard when he was fully fit. And he's looking for that fitness again. And he looks hungry. Same as I say for Kyrie in Brooklyn, I'm going to say for John Wall, where the injury and the doubt over your name makes you a bit hungrier. So I think with them two balling out, John Wall is more, he's a, actually a great playmaker at the same time. Like two two years, he's averaged 10 plus assists. Like, I think they're still going to ball out in a regular season. Whether it happens in the playoffs, who knows? I doubt it. But I think I think they're, they're going to do well for the regular season at the most part. And you got to think of it like this. Even if Harden's not there or has a bummy night, John Wall's not a bad option to fall back on to make plays for your team for them to do well. I think as well with John Wall, you said he's uh, going to be hungry. Like, I... I think it's, it's more than that as well. I saw him chatting after the game uh, against the Spurs. And obviously everyone says this, like everyone's always in the best shape of their life after surgery and an injury. But he seemed really sincere in that he's in the best shape that he's been in for sort of six, seven years. And the two years off, I think, have really given him 
not just a, a hunger to prove people wrong, but just an appreciation, the fact that he's going to be back playing at a high level and he's landed almost on his feet in a bigger market than what he left. Obviously, I know Wizards, he, he was very, very um, committed there and everything like that. But um, I think he's just going to love playing. I think he's going to be a really interesting person to, to watch. And just the fact that he's blowing by people and getting to the rim at all at the moment is reassuring for, for him, um, despite the injuries, which obviously are going to play a part, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know how Houston are going to look. And I think if any of these dynasties that are potentially dying out now and in their last years could miss out, I could, I could see them as more likely to miss out than Golden State. Jeff, how do you see Houston and Golden State looking then? You said Golden State should be in there. Um, do you think that's a thing where they're, they're top four, bottom four of the playoffs, or they're relying on the play-ins? And then Houston, how do they shake up? Kind of depends. I'd, I'd probably have them in at like four, five, six, one of those two, or three or other positions. Um, that's the Warriors days. Houston depends a lot on Harden, depends on how committed he is. I, from what I've read and from what I understand and, and believe anyway, he's not going to, like pop it down if that makes any sense. He's gonna, he understands the, the idea of, of hurting his trade value um, and making it harder for himself to even leave at a time when, excuse me, um, loads of these free agents in 2021 have all signed extensions anyway. Yeah, um, yeah that class so, is looking a lot less exciting than it was uh, a month ago. A year or so ago. Were well, those pictures are hard and real, by the way? <laughs> no, nah, do you know what, bro? I don't understand because I've watched the game and I saw him look skinny, but then I saw that picture that went round in the red and he looked fat on the he screen. He a weighted vest or something. Yeah, he was wearing a weighted vest or something under that because to sweat it out, because he looked huge, but he's not. He's in really good nick. He's in really good shape. Um, yeah. But you see, with Harden, right? This is the other thing. Look, I get it. You want to trade. I get it. You want to win. I get it. You got your ring. Like, take stock of it. If Houston are just saying, we're not taking Spencer fucking Dinwiddie and Karis Levert for James Harden. And if Philly just think, you know what, we want to make Ben Simmons and Embiid work like it did when we were a bounce away from knocking out Toronto. Um, and in 2018, Simmons' rookie year. And who else? Potential trade parties. Miami, Miami's an interesting one. I think Miami are almost my favourites now because I feel like... When you don't want to get rid of Hero for him, I don't understand how. I don't want to get rid of Hero for no, 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 no. It's about the blueprint. Listen, about the blueprint. Mean, that guy mean mugs one one time, and everyone thinks he's fucking. It was more, it was more of a snarl. But you, <laughs> what you got to think about is this year. Earlier on, we spoke about instilling culture into hundred percent, and I mean. But, we play with a culture, so having so having Harden is yeah. the complete reverse of that. I get that, but then if this guy's committed, like if yeah. he goes to the if he goes to a heat to the heat, and if he's forcing himself out of Houston, for me that is an admission that the Harden project is done in the sense of what it was before. It, it has right. to. Be. He's not going to get the same treatment anywhere else. I'm but all right. My point is, my point is, if he if he doesn't get a trade that perfectly suits him. Go and show that you're the MVP that you think you are. Make the most of this John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Christian Wood, PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon situation. That's still a top five team in the West if he's there and bought in completely. Steven Silas has been an assistant coach in Silas, apparently, uh, in the NBA for a decade or more. 
and has just uh, orchestrated the, and credited with the best offense in in ever <laughs> statistically. Mm. Um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like the penny might just drop for him in the next month when it all tips off, when he's not going to get his way. But then it just isn't going away. So I feel like eventually he will get a move somewhere. And I guess it's just uh, in terms of in terms of what they get back. Anyway, look. So I think I think. You lot maybe have a bit more confidence in, in Golden State and, and Houston than I do in terms of them living to fight another year. I think Golden State looked a lot better than I thought they did uh, would against the Kings, but it's the Kings. Um, lads, it's Sacramento. Um, dark horses, dark horses. So these are teams in terms of they could really make a leap. and I think they're all really interesting in their own way. So Denver, we're going to get to... Ognion, I'm going to let you going to let you run. They've added Jermichael Green, um, lost Jeremy Grant, but retained Millsap. That's kind of all your moves. And then you expect I just I expect Murray to go up another little level um, in the playoffs. He was unbelievable, um, way past what I thought he could do. To be honest, um, Dallas haven't really re-upped or retooled with anyone, but you just kind of expect Luca to crack on a little bit more. Um, and then Richardson, I think, for Seth Curry. As a yeah, yeah, which is a little bit like for like. I think he's not got the shooting of Curry, but he's a bit more all round defensively and yeah, stuff like that. Rated. To be fair, Dallas got some good rookies, and I'll give them that. So I think regular season where depth matters a bit more this year. Thanks for reminding me. To be fair, uh, they got um, Tyrell Terry who can shoot really, really well. Yeah. Sadiq Bay, um, not Sadiq Bay. He went to uh, they got Tyler Bay. Um, who apparently is just a decent little two-way player. Um, and then who was the other rookie they got? I think they got Josh Green, was it? Um, who was their other rookie? It's going to wire me up. Dallas. Yeah, Josh Green, 18. Ty- Tyrell Terry is, is a bit of a mad shooter. And they got Tyler Bay, 36. And then, yeah, uh, James Johnson came in and Josh Richardson came in. Didn't really lose anyone of note apart from Seth Curry. Um, Utah. Resigned Jordan Clarkson, who did a lot better than I thought he could last year. Um, again, Donovan Mitchell, you kind of just bank on him to step up. Rudy Gobert is in a career year, uh, contract year, so he would be do well to have a career year. Um, and Utah are just a tough team. Um, got Derek Fravers in, another good, sizable piece there just to make things hard for people. Um, no, yeah. No, he is a, like, he's not moving the needle, but he's a good depth piece. Oh, I'm saying him and Gobert together, not it, man. No, nah, not at the same time, 100%. Portland, for the first time ever, actually seem to have some people who will add a bit of athleticism around Dame in terms of getting Robert Covington in from Houston, getting Ennis Cantor in. <coughs> Although he's a bit of a joke around the league, sometimes for his defence, had his best playoff moments in Portland. Uh, and got Derek Jones Jr. in as well, who could add just something, a little bit depth piece. There's a lot of teams there who you think could just surprise people. No, Oggy starts off with Denver. Obviously, kind of stood pat. Really, Jeremy Grant was a good piece, but he wasn't integral to anything. Your offense is very much around Murray and Jokic. What can Denver do, and where do you go in terms of glass ceiling to really get to a finals? What's what's the needle that gets moved? Um, well, as you say, I mean, Jeff mentioned earlier um, Jamal Murray torching Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's no. That's no mean feat, man. Like it's just—it's not just like casual. I mean, this is Kawhi Leonard, one of the best defensive players in the league, man. Um, I expect him to take it up another notch. To be honest, he surprised me as well how good he actually was. Um, 
and of course Jokic is Jokic. I mean, we mentioned him before, but like th- those two are our big two players. And obviously, the the big the big thing for us, I think, is looking at what uh, Michael Porter Jr. can do this year. Uh, last year, people forget that last year was his first was basically his first season, right? Because he was real season, yeah. His first real season, he came into the bubble and he showed people what he could do. And then, obviously, in the playoffs, then his he got ripped apart on 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 defense and stuff. So, so it'll be really important to see how he possibly adapts. But if you've got if he takes a leap, then that's that's a pretty solid three that you've got there that I think can can propel Denver further and hopefully not go three one down in every playoff game that they. That they play in. Um, why, did guy, why did that happen? Why, guy, you go, why are you going three one down twice? What needs to change for that? Do, do you know what? It's it's to to, to be honest. Um, when you see like Jokic and stuff getting getting murked on defense, basically like constantly, and that's one of the big things. One of the big things about him, right, is that people always say, you know, he's great. One of the best defensive centers in the league. But on defense against and Utah, for example, really good at, at switching players out to him and getting man, whenever you saw um the switch out Donovan Mitchell going on Jokic, it was like, oh shit, here we go again. Um and I just think a bit more a bit more team defense there might to to to, to plug in the to plug in the holes there. Um but as I said, one of the other things I wanted to mention as well that that people forgot about is you know, before before um lockdown happened the first time around, um in March. Uh, Will Barton was one of was one of Denver's best players as well. Um, pretty like good on offense, good, pretty good on defense and stuff. And and he wasn't there at all. And we had we had Gary Harris, another guy who really solid two way player, but three point just deserted him. He had he had a year where he was smashing it from deep, and then it's just yeah. gone now. And 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 it's just gone. And and. As you know, we we've been talking big about the culture tonight, and I think the culture in Denver is 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 pretty solid. Obviously, as you say, let's not go three one down all the time, but don't forget that this is a team that then would come back from three one down. So there's obviously something there. There's obviously a coach there who, you know, Jeff mentioned Malona there as well for the Kings, but there's a coach there who who can who can in in, in the situations make make adjustments and one guy one guy asked that we're gonna to have to talk about my, my rookie of the year contender for kundo campazzo who is <laughs> absolutely he is just an absolute joy to watch i know shaq's rolling his eyes here but listen yeah, but shaq doesn't like nice things i don't this know guy, this <laughs> this guy this guy is gonna make is gonna make denver everyone's favorite league pass team he's man. unreal he's so unreal. he's, 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 he's like years old or something he's unreal He's he he he's a joy. He's a joy. Um, the best so, thing about Facundo uh, Campasso is when you uh, tweet anything about him, Shaq, you should do this, mate. It might cheer you up. Mm. Uh, tweet anything about him, you get like eleven people from Argentina immediately liking your shit. They're so buzzing that he's in the NBA. They're just happy, happy people. It's lovely stuff. Yeah. So, so look. More, more, I know it's just about, but more, more of the same from from these guys. And I think, as I said, I think Michael Porter Jr. is is the guy that needs to step up and give give us a give us a really solid third option that can take some of the pressure off. Off. Um, you know, you know, one thing I say about Denver next year, well, this year that I'm seeing, yeah, well, that we that we're watching coming up, 
some of the shots they were hitting last year with borderline, they shouldn't go in. And that's what kind of got you through. I wonder if they drop again. If they do, then that's just like Murray and Jokic are fake. But some of the shots they were hitting you, like, why are you even shooting a fadeaway off one foot, like, three-point shot? I know you're talking about Jokic, because I know the shot you're thinking about. Bruh, like, it don't make Murray as well. Murray as Murray well. well fadeaways off the dribble, just jumping your feet across, but you're, you're off bad. Like, if you hit it again, then cool, so be it. But, like, that's, that's a test of time to see if that can hit. Like, we were saying the same about Seth and his free, deep freeze about five, six years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, I think I've said it, I'll say it again on Sunday in the Eastern Conference, but I, I think my main thing about Miami, Shaq, is that it might have been just lightning in the bottle. Amazing little just thing that happened last year organically. I think Denver, maybe that spirit of just coming back and being such a threat might, might be a bit, little bit like that as well. No, um, Miami, I saw, I saw, we, we had people that you weren't expecting it. That's it. Yeah, like yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I thought I thought you'd do yeah. well. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, Jeff, I saw a poll today which had Luka Doncic's favorite for the MVP next year. Talk to me. It makes sense based on how they're pushing him in the media. Yeah, he's trying to make him the face of the league. Don't know if he'll actually play at the the MVP, but I'm sure when I'm they give it. You or something? Fucking hell! Huh? No, no, nothing personal at all. But I'm sure when they do make him the MVP. As a six seed, they're going to turn around and look at Westbrook and say, well, we gave it to him, right? Even though everyone cried about it, but when they give it to him... the question. So you see them as finishing sixth or somewhere. They were only a seventh seed last year. They haven't changed much. It's not happening. They're not, higher. They're not finishing higher than six. There's, been, there's a lot. Six, they'll be lucky. I think they might even be a bit lower than that, but we'll see. And this is the other thing, and it was a point made to us. Look, Luca's fantastic, right? But this is another point that was made to us when we had him eighth in our countdown, um, yet to win a playoff series. Uh, the heroics against the Clippers were fantastic, but it's all well and good, you know, the buzzer beater three and everything like that. But he is yet to win a playoff series. He's criticised for defending um, or lack thereof. The rebounds are nice on the bit of paper, but, you know. Um, what do they need to do, Jeff, for you, Dallas? Obviously, Porzingis being healthy will be a start. But what do they need to do for you? Yeah, no, it would be, it would, it would, a lot of it would rest on Chris Stapps, which is why I don't think they'll finish higher than what they did last year. If they could get him fit, and of course, I mean, he's been one of my favorite players, um, talent wise, for a long time. So, I mean, if you were able to somehow have a, a full season of 70 games, it's going to be this year. He's in then, then maybe. Denver, uh, Denver. Uh, Dallas might have a chance of, of finishing higher than, you know, sixes. I've got it right now, but that much there is a guarantee that he's not going to finish or play the whole season. So because of that, I can't really see Luca dragging them by himself. I know they'll have Dwight Powell back, who's a good player. I like him a lot. Um, but again, but, he's coming off something quite nasty as well in terms of injury, so we'll see how he... Becomes. Yeah, it was an Achilles, I think it was something like that, but... Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. Like, I like Josh Richardson. Um, I like James Johnson. Um, but as move the needle pieces, especially in the West, I'm not too sure. Because it is, even though the West isn't loaded like a lot of people make out, it's loaded with a lot of teams that are good three, four, five, six seasons, if that makes any sense. All around each other. And that's kind of, you said that, that you've got Dallas sixth. 
I mean, that kind of suggests to me that you've got one of Portland or Utah squeezing them out. So Portland's one that I'm interested in in particular. Like, obviously, Dame does his heroics. CJ McCollum, hopefully, his, his back's not broken this time round. They've got more depth than they would have had previously. Nurkic hit levels um, in the bubble that I hadn't seen him hit before, which I was really impressed with. Can they... Obviously, Western Conference finalists uh, year before last, can they do more, or is just that their ceiling? And and it is until no, they'll be like a a four five seed this year. They don't be. What good. can they do in matchups though? Like, are they just limited in what they can really win in the playoffs? Well, before they didn't really have much of um, a defensive kind of stopper at any point. So you know, the thing about Portland for a long time is that they kind of go, they trade off with you. It's buckets really. Like, all right, cool. We got CJ and then. And Dame, and then we, they usually have like a third scorer. If it's not Melo, it's somebody else, Rodney Hood, whoever it might be. Like they usually have somebody that can give you twenty randomly on a night. If that makes any sense, but like there's not always a lot of defense. Um, they've added to that. They've got Harry Giles Jr. in now, or Jr. Sorry, the third. They've got Robert Covington. In. Um, Nurkic has taken a step up last year as a defender. I was always a bit iffy on him as a defender because I'd read. Um, Portland Twitter, if you like, and a lot of their fans would say, oh, he's a really good defender. And I'd be like, Nurkic? But I still have the idea of Nurkic when he was like a, a he was at Denver and he was very um, temperamental. So one game he played defense, the other game he blow by him like he wasn't even dead, which is why they ended up trading him because they felt like they couldn't really come to like a, an agreement fit-wise with him. But um, He was a generational talent waiting in the wings, so... Oh, to be fair, to be fair, yeah. When you have when you have that guy waiting, you can say to Nurkic, "Go and get out of here." But in terms of the step up he made defensively, um, I was a fan. Um, you get them a couple of perimeter defenders. Harry Giles is pretty good in that regard. Um, Rob Covington, one of those guys, I feel like he's got a better reputation than either the numbers or even sometimes the eye test gives you. When you watch I know him. what you mean, but I think he's just so versatile and just fits the modern game. So well. it's, it's, the Clay, it's the Clay Thompson um, thing where they get torched a lot, but it's not really their fault. They get torched a lot because they always get put on the, the other team's best player who's going to torture you anyway. Yeah. So uh, it, it ends up being the thing where their numbers don't really match what it looks like in terms of like the length, whatever it might be. But Covington, yeah, one-on-one, he can get torched, but I see the 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 footwork and what have you. I understand why people call him a good defender. And I'm sure in the, in a system where maybe he's he comes in his arcs to to be a defensive stopper, he can get you know the other guys around him to to play a bit of defense. CJ is always going to be limited in that regard. Like he plays hard, but he's small. Same for Dane. Yeah. Um, CJ, yeah. But I, these things always are like a matter of like a culture change. And I think if, if Portland sort of decides to knuckle down on defence this year, I, I see no reason why, especially talent-wise, why they won't be like a minimum five seed. You know, they, they re-signed Melo as well. I don't know if he's going to come off their bench, but he probably will do. He, he's another does, one, I think, after the year he was having beforehand, he's just happy to be somewhere competitive that he's valued. I wouldn't be surprised if, even if he starts the season at some point, he doesn't just accept the idea of coming off the bench and just putting up 20 a game. Like, you won't mind at this point. At this point in uh, Melo's career, I think he's happy to call uh, a, a unit and just 
be somewhere where he's wanted and, and Portland seems like that kind of place. I'm sure he'll stick around and put our buckets however he needs to. So they've got a bit of depth. I just can't remember if they, they re-signed Rodney Hood or not. I don't yeah, think they did. He got a little bit of more money out of them, but which is funny coming after such a big injury. But they, so they yeah. Yeah, so they're back as well. Ennis, big Ennis. Look, I mean, I'm going to skip over Utah a little bit. Um, sorry to probably the one fan that is listening. Um, but I think just because, just because like, they're going to do what they're going to do. Donovan Mitchell's class, Rudy Gobert, despite Shaq wanting to fight me about him being class, is so. They're deep as well, a little bit. Yeah, trade them. Yeah, well, I don't know. It depends. We'll see what happens there. But I think Utah, like you say, they'll just be a, a banana skin for someone. They'll be fifth or sixth seed. Um, yeah, they, they don't mess about, but I'm not expecting fireworks there. I, the reason I'm skipping them is there's there's some teams in the West and these last three that I'm excited about to watch. But I just don't know if that is going to translate into anything meaningful for them, right? And I said this last year, I really liked the Grizzlies. And I was just excited to watch John Moran. And I was very, very, very impressed and relieved that after all the buzz, he was so good. I didn't even expect him to do as well as they did. It was another year of the Celtics getting fucked by having a draft pick from an overperforming team. But OK, um, they, they're just a good young team, man. I'm not going to ask too much about them, but they're just, if anyone's listening and wants to just watch a good team, they're just a lot of fun. John Moran is a good player. Darren Jackson Jr. is a good player. They've got like Brandon Clark, Dylan Brooks, um, Desmond Bates. Just good, good team, man. Just Dylan, good Dylan Brooks is their only problem. There's times where you watch him, yeah, and he's ta- he reminds me of like a a bait or um, Jamal Murray, but or you can even say like a Donovan Mitchell, but he can shoot a bit better. He's like but, a Nurkic, like Jeff. Yeah, he's got, he's Nurkic, got dumb moments, like, a stupid play and get a turnover out of no reason. Yeah, like, and then two nights later, it'll just be fucking wild. Yeah, but yeah. And then he's again. Like, I want to focus on two other teams, right? And that is. Uh, the new Chris Paul-led Phoenix Suns over with Devin Booker, DeAndre, uh, <laughs> Dominating, Dominate, what was that tattoo? Dominate, I don't know, it was awful. Um, Jay Crowder over there in Phoenix as well. Um, a lot of good little pieces. Um, they're kind of tipped to now essentially become a really solid playoff team. Like people are saying, yeah, Chris Paul going there is going to have the same effect that OKC uh, had as a result of him, they're going to go from where they were just off of it to now, boom, yeah, they're in. But then you look at what's in front of them, and I, I don't know if they really are going to. Um, are we getting a bit excited there? I I got Suns as my eighth seed. Okay, that's my that's my dark horse for the for the season this year. I mean, and you I think that's just the Chris Paul effect? Do you think Booker's going to make a leap? Do you think the signings have been particularly good? Do you think Aiton's going to take a leap with Paul there to supply him? I think Aiton's going to eat with pick and roll with Chris Paul. Um, Devin Booker's going to get his minutes as usual, get his points as usual. I think he's going to take a leap besides defensively because, you know, Devin Booker's defence. Um, but I think a person that people will want to see and I think will make some form of a leap will be Makai Bridges. I think he's a good player and I think he can put up some serious points if need be. So, I didn't obviously, like, adding someone who came from a, a system and played hard like Jay Crowder, it gives you... Again, like that, like you were saying, a motor in the fit in the changing room. You already got Chris Paul doing it, but then you've got the mentality of Devin Booker who wants to win. Then you've got someone who came from a winning team and an underdog team of um, Jay Crowder. You have dogs in the team that can also just put in a shift for you. So the load ain't going to be as much on 
like the shoulders of an Aiton to get everything in the paint and block everybody. And an Aiton, man, like, I'm not. I know I get it. He can be really dominant, but like just the game that's on in front of me, just he he just be so sloppy sometimes. Aiton. Yeah, yeah, like facts. Like he he's got a lot to learn, but I think with a vet like Chris Paul. If you're not gonna catch this pass and you're gonna let it fumble through your fingers, you're not gonna get it again. Mm. So for me, I think he like the Suns will be a bit sharper this year, and they were only what a game away. Yeah, they were just off because of book so, heroics. Like again, yeah. if they had playing matches this year as well, they would have they would have made a, some form of statement. So I think personally, dark horse for the season will probably be Suns hitting eighth seed. Um, hopefully the seventh, and then they get Clippers out in the first round. Um, but. I'm looking forward to seeing the Suns play this year. I think, and look, just for time, there's a team that I've had, I've had a soft spot for a long time, and they they managed to somehow wrestle Jeff away from the bright lights of LA, at least for now. Huh. Uh, <laughs> look, Zion's going to be on TV every time. I think if they don't quite make the Doncic thing happen, they're going to make Zion the face of everything. Brandon Ingram, I think, could take a little. He had a most improved player award last season, but I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Um, I really like the Pelicans, man. They've, they've almost got too much talent to know what to do with, and they're all just a little bit too young. I really like Jackson Hayes at centre. Um, he's just athletic in a really different way. Um, they've got uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I like, SGA's cousin, um, as a little two-guard there. Lonzo's in a contract year, so if that guy wants anything over 16 million, he's going to have to fix some things that aren't quite um, working in his game. Um, and then, obviously, you do have Zion. You've got Stephen Adams in there as an experienced guy coming in. I don't know how good that fit with Zion is really going to go, but fuck it, he's, he's a good lad, is Adams. Um, yeah, they're, they're talented, Jeff, but again, Kira Lewis Jr., Eric Bledsoe, loads of good players coming through there all the time. No spacing. No spacing. But if you're Zion yeah. and you're in I your don't. second year, JJ Reddick is the space master. There you go. But Jeff, look, you've got Zion in his second year. They should be knocking on the door. Surely they should be contending in these playoff games. Yeah, they obviously they'll, they'll be in for the playoff, uh, uh, the playing game. Um, a lot of people actually forget that had the bubble not happened, they probably would have ended up with the eight seed in the end anyway. They were like three games off the Grizzlies who were about to go through that one of those crazy periods, I remember. New Orleans had the uh, lightest schedule left, I remember everyone. Yeah, easiest schedule in the NBA left, and on top of that, it was... Um, <coughs> the Grizzlies were had some crazy, crazy schedule where they were going to play that. Some, they're, 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 I think they had like the second or third hardest schedule left in the NBA. The Suns weren't far off behind either. And one of the other teams that were surrounded, I think the Spurs weren't far off. So it looked like the the, the Pelicans were going to make it. It got to the bubble when everything fell apart. Um, but everything fell apart in the bubble because there was a lack of spacing um, amongst other things, a lack of heart. Those boys gave up. There was a point where it became obvious that this is going to become like, a, this is a step too far for us in terms of making the playing game. A lack of um, aerobics for a certain star player. He came to the bubble looking... Super fat. Big, bruv. Yeah. Uh, uh, fat man in the world. And I swear, I was really excited to see if he'd done a Jokic uh, in the preseason game. Like, oh, Zion slimmed up. He still hasn't, bruv. His knees are going to be fucked. I think... Zion can't play when he's fat. 
big on on the idea that he won't ever lose the weight necessary. Like a lot of it is weight that comes. Like I, I get it. Like it's not at his age, especially. You should be able to lose weight quicker, and your metabolism should work in a way where in the summer you're you're dropping twenty pounds or ten pounds, whatever it might be, like that. It's not quite happened for him, but at the same time, what I do believe is that as he gets on, as he plays more games, as he finds the right optimum weight for who he is as a player and what he's trying to do, I think he'll be all right. With that, how many points did he average last year? Like 22 in his season? After an injury? Like, Zion is class. This is the thing. I think it gets lost in the hype around him and, you know, all the NBA loves that. Zion is class. He's passer. He he can he's good with steals. He's rebound aggressive around rebounds. He's a good finisher. Um, Zion is. I don't like him as a in terms of. It's a weird one because he's a bit of a tweener in terms of. He's not really a three. He's not tall enough to be a four. It's a weird one, but it's one of those where with, with positionless basketball, which I think is what obviously not right now anyway with the addition of Stephen Adams, but. I remember Steve, um, Steve uh, David Griffin has spoken about playing like a seamless type of basketball. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore, but I think eventually as the NBA continues to, to progress towards a position, position this type of basketball, Zion will find his kind of like niche, if you like, within, within the NBA. You've but, just said it. You've just said it there and mentioned it, Adams. Like, you're absolutely right in terms of you look at a team with... Lonzo, Ingram, Zion, Adams. Like you can throw JJ Redick in there if you want. Those other four just don't mesh very well. Like it just doesn't really work. It, or it's, see- it's a weird one. It's definitely a weird one. It's one of those where um, I think a lot of it, a lot of the pieces, especially when you add Bledsoe. So if you hadn't, if you don't add Bledsoe to that list of perimeter players that you mentioned already. It could have worked, but when you're adding Bledsoe into it, it's a guy who I get it. Like he, he as far as spot up shooters are concerned, he's not that bad. Um, well, until the bubble, I think it was where he shot something like twenty two percent from free or something stupid. But defensively uh, good as well. And if you're losing Drew, you want some experience back. Yes, yeah, so I, I get it. Like as a as a like for like almost. Obviously, Drew's a lot better, but as a like for like um, replacement. I get it. Plus, he doesn't need the ball in his hands as much as Drew did. Um, there was there was points where it was obvious that they were trying. Even though Drew can play off ball quite a bit, he needed the ball in his hands. And there was there was times, when, especially in the bubble, it was obvious that Drew was having really good games. But there would have to be a point at which he needed to get the ball again because he's Drew Holiday, especially in the team around where as the, the eldest player on on that team, and if he continues to just kind of like acquiesce into the background, it might have been easier for the team's chemistry, but I get it. He needs to get the ball sometimes just for his own continuity offensively. Um, but it put the team out of shape quite a bit. I'm just hoping that when Bledsoe comes in, because sometimes he does need the ball, but um, obviously having played with Giannis, I'm sure he'll understand, you know, a lot of the time with Lonzo and, and Ingram in particular, he's probably going to be the third ball handler at best. I, I would don't like to, though. I don't, so think he, as, as a New Orleans fan, 
But then I know you're a big Brandon Ingram fan as well. And like yesterday we was talking about Ingram, Mitchell, Tatum, and you put them in between. You put them in between some of them. Is Ingram the first option in all? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Over Zion, because I feel like I feel like they focus on Zion and everything. Yeah, game, so. Focus on Zion, like it's not a thing where they focus on Zion. They they were trying to bring him through, and it's obvious that with with Zion, the hype behind him, even being able to replace AD with Zion, there's no way in which you can't find a way to incorporate him into the team. But Zion's not going to be your primary ball handler. So because of it, you're giving the ball to Ingram to make plays for Zion and other guys. As a primary ball handler, he's going to get his points because he's the best scorer on the team and it's not particularly close. You see what I'm coming from? Mm. Plus, you a, a contract of 100 and however many mil like you, he's not gonna not be focused or heavily featured within the offense. You see, where I'm coming from. Um, yeah. I, I just don't know how it works. Zion Ingram is a weird fit. I, I, a very I weird. Fit. Like if one of them was a, it, Ingram has become a much better shooter, and to the point where you absolutely can't leave him open anywhere on the court. But I would like it a lot more if they mesh in a way where. Almost how LeBron AD mesh, where it's obvious that even though they're both top five players, there's no need to say one is above the other. They're almost one A, one B, but it's just a matter of which day is it going to be. With Zion and Ingram, well, as well in terms of who you're facing, I guess who's yeah. who's the with big Zion and Ingram, you've got two young bulls, and it's hard to really work out who's the the face of the team. If that makes any sense. On top of it being an awkward fit anyway, because you're kind of playing, they're both threes, but they have matchup um, advantages that they can take, well, matchup, they have favorable matchups to the four they can take advantage of. Yes. They can pro both probably guard one to four because of their size and speed and what have you. It's, just, it's a bit of a weird link up in terms of your one and two when they don't really have any. Um, Intangibles, if you like, that mesh apart from maybe I think, that, good I think that sums up New Orleans really well in that there's just so much talent there and it's square pegs and round holes a lot. Very, very, very weird fit. Look, just finishing up, boys. I think I want to just get through some just predictions as is the as is the tradition of pre-season, before season curtain raiser podcasts and, and everything like that. Um, I'm gonna just say what I'd like and then I'm gonna zoom round in individuals. So first off is I just, obviously it's match, into, match, match up dependent. Who do you have as Western Conference Finals matchup? Uh, if all falls well, if the seeding works out, everything like that, Shaq. Clippers, Lakers, like obvious answer. Um, I wouldn't put it past Nuggets to be there again though. Jeff? Uh, same. Even though I don't believe in the Clippers, I, I think it will probably come. Yeah, I think it will probably come down to a matter of talent, as always. Talent always wins out in the NBA. Um, established talent, anyway. When all is done, even if I laugh at the idea of Paul George being, you know, whatever, sometimes he tries to make out he is, especially when he comes to the big talk on all the smoking, whatever. What, what about his MVP season? Yeah, MVP season where he really finished fourth in MVP voting. Although he should have he should have won defensive player of the year. I'll give him that one that year. He was really good that year. Um in the regular season. But 
when all is said and done, Paul George is probably still a top 10 player. And if he's not top 10, you're talking on the very cusp of it, like 11 at worst. Uh, so you're officially 15th, mate. It was on the countdown. Oh, yeah, again, I, I, I have nothing to do with that. I have common sense. Um, <laughs> so PG and Kawhi are both top 10 players. They're both as good as they come in this league um, from like a two-way player perspective. Um, so when you have that kind of talent and then you have to score off the bench in Lou, they lost Harold, but with all due respect, he wasn't really doing much for them, especially in the playoffs. Um, yeah, their talent will strike out, in my opinion, at least as far as the, the conference finals is concerned. Then it just depends on how seriously they take in the year. But I think the Lakers are now obviously better. Mm. Whereas before, it was more of like a, a pick of a matchup. Now, if you look at them from top to bottom, I think the Lakers are obviously better. Oggy, are you feeling Denver getting to the conference finals or what's your shout? As I mentioned earlier, I think the Clippers are going to learn from, from last year's horror show from them <clears throat> being 3-1 up. So that's, that's the, LA derby for me. That's the final we want, the conference final we wanted anyway. So hopefully that does come past. All right. If the MVP comes from the West this season, it is going to be Oggy. Doncic. Jeff. AD. Ooh, that would be interesting. I don't know if LeBron would allow it. Shaq. <laughs> LeBron. Like... Okay. <laughs> uh, and then... LeBron's not going to play enough games. LeBron. You know LeBron. what I mean? He didn't... LeBron come second this year? LeBron. Or He's not going to games LeBron. Uh, and then this one, I'm just interested... In the conference, the biggest surprise, success or disappointment, I don't mind which... Oggy, biggest surprise at the conference this year? Oh, let's uh, let's go Portland. Well, what are they going to do? Making it, making it through the first round. You're rude, Jeff. Uh, biggest surprise. That's an interesting. One. I haven't really thought of that. Um... Biggest surprise if it happens. Why? Biggest surprise in terms of if it happens, it's a big surprise to everyone. But I'm not really saying it's a big surprise. Rockets not making the playoffs. Okay, and then Shaq. Um, Golden State not making the playoffs. It's a good That's question. I'm gonna say. Uh, boy, I, I think they'd all be look. The thing is, if, if any of those, ha- well, Portland, I think you'd hope, Portland, you'd hope would do that now. But I think if either of Houston or Rockets, that's I mean, Rockets or Warriors, that is that dying dynasty that we've that we've talked about. Um, thanks for your time, as always. This has been Court Sam I'll Make sure you're following, engaging, all of that good stuff. Western Conference preview. Do you agree? Disagree? Let us know. Get involved on the Twitter. Um, tell us what you think. What have we got right? What have we got wrong? And then this Sunday will be the East, and we will pivot over to um, why Miami are not going to recreate what they did last year. And Boston, despite the worst roster in the top six, are going to make some magic happen inshallah but yeah uh, boys thanks a lot appreciate it appreciate the time bless you guys sports social podcast network